Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is going to be a community conversation around mental health. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. All right, uh, everybody, welcome, welcome to today's episode. What's going on? What is up? Hey, everybody. Hey, hey everybody. Not, you can't, you can't take yeah, it away we, from me. No, we didn't. Away. We didn't do that. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? I am uh, Jared Perry. I am joined today by uh, Sam Tooten of Sixmo City Services. What's going on? The Yoda of all things government, Mister Brett Alfin. Hey, everybody. And the executive director of the Life and Purpose Resource Center, Janice McFarland. Yes. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Insert noise applause. Right yeah. here. Yes. <laughs> Flap track. <laughs> we'll get um, there. We'll get there. So today's episode is going to be a little something different. We usually have um, a fair mix of art and science in our, in our podcast, but mm-hmm. we're going to really just try to have a discussion, you know, uh, for a, a community member who is getting ready to open up um, a resource center mm-hmm. on Front Street here in our downtown yeah. core. Mm-hmm. So Neighbor. Uh, Janice, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So Janice, if you want to kind of paint a backdrop of, your, of, of the resource center, what's mm-hmm. going to be inside of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, just strictly from a, you know, a, a ribbon cutting sort of pitch here, and then we'll kind of peel back the onion later down the road. Okay. So... The Resource Center has been a project of mine for probably coming up on two years. Um, Started in 2019 when um, there was a a point in time where the Ohio State Legislature basically demanded of all county behavioral health boards that they had to create an opioid hub to demonstrate collaboration within the community to address the opioid crisis. What are you doing? What are we doing? not just on one person it's on community healing to really get us through the epidemic um i was in one of those meetings somebody made an observation about an anthony bourdain parts unknown episode up in uh new england which is absolutely ravaged by opiates um and they had a community resource center it was um kind of a a a drop-in center um where anybody who was struggling could walk in and say hey this is me i have a problem and they could be linked to treatment like bam right then, get what you need, be on your way to recovery. Hmm. Um, that concept was the, the jumping off point to what the resource center is now um, working on being, um, but we have, have drastically expanded the scope of services that we want to be present there. Um, we have really good treatment options available in the county and in, in surrounding counties. You don't have to go hours and hours and hours away to get really good treatment. Um, and, and working as, working as a therapist, working as, um, a clinical director at Life and Purpose Behavioral Health here in the area for, oh, I've been with them for like seven and a half years. Um, I can, I can provide really, really, really good treatment as your therapist. Um, but what always, always leads people back to instability 
is the rest of their life. Do you have a safe place to live? Do you have a doctor that can take care of your physical health needs? Do you have enough money to eat in a responsible, healthy manner? Do you have soft skills that would allow you to get a career and not just a job? Um, and there are a lot of really wonderful people doing really beautiful things in our community. Um, but I didn't really know about any of them until I became clinical director and started sitting in meetings that only a, a small handful of people sit in. And I thought that was just an absolute sin, an absolute sin. People are doing really good things to try to make things better. I was born in Marietta, raised in Marietta. I'll probably die in Marietta. And it upsets me when people say that our community doesn't care because no. we do. We just don't have a really good way of disseminating information. And so that's kind of the resource center's mission and goal is to be like a lighthouse for anybody who's suffering with anything, anyone who has a question about anything, almost like a, I liken it to like a, like a visitor center for people who already live here and mm -hmm. who want to know more <laughs> about what the community has to offer. Yeah. yeah I like that. I, it's, I think the name life and purpose fits the vision. Well, and well. the people, yeah. people get very confused. It took, uh, it took, a, it took the better part of about 18 months, I would say to help people understand what the difference is between life and purpose, behavioral health and the life and purpose community resource center. Sure. The community resource center has always been a community driven project. Um, but you know, just like Mercedes Benz arena and, um, football stadiums and baseball stadiums have company names in front of them. It's because that company put up all the money to get the building built life and purpose, behavioral health. Um, my CEO, Doug Pfeiffer and our owner, Jamie Crestus, um, they've been very supportive of me from day one. I sat in that meeting two weeks went by. I didn't hear anything from anybody. And I looked at Doug and I said, I think I can do this. And he goes, are you sure? And I said, yeah. He called Jamie. Jamie said, do it. Pay whatever it takes to get it up and running. This is good for the, and Jamie doesn't, she's not even from here. She's from Pittsburgh. Um, she said, do it. Sounds like a great idea for the community. And so they've been covering the cost of everything from applying for a 501c3, getting that through the approval process, um, paying rent and utilities for our space on Front Street, everything covering, allowing me space within my, my daytime job duties, I call them, to to spend time on this without question. So, you know, the same way that like Heinz Field, mm -hmm. like the stadium that Ketchup built, this is the resource center <laughs> that life and purpose behavioral health kind of gave me the money to, to make it real. Yeah, that's perfect. Nice. So um, that's kind of the, the, what I'll call the nuts and bolts you know, for the resource center. Mm -hmm. It'll be a, a bricks and mortar yep. building. People can go in. Because the thing that I've the thing that I've found in seven and a half years of working with people in this community is that we have a lot of great resources, but accessing them is very difficult. For example, community action, Washington Morgan County Community Action has absolutely wonderful programs to to stabilize people in safe, affordable housing. But they are a government agency. They are government-ran. There, There is red tape that they have to jump through, and that is very difficult and disheartening for people who do not understand all of that and maybe don't have the patience, don't have the skills. Or to, need help now. Yeah. Like, right. I got to have it now. Right. Yeah. Like, it's cold. Yeah. You will be sleeping outside. Um, making a phone call is some, like, the. I think people often forget how much and how much bravery it takes 
to pick up the phone and call a place that's going to offer you support, especially financial support, um, they, we, that, that is not a comfortable thing basically for our to a culture stranger. to do. To yeah. a stranger, to a, basically. Yeah, basically. The idea of picking up the phone and calling community action and saying like, hello, I have a family, I have children, we just got an eviction notice, I can't pay my rent, I need help. Yep. If the answer on the other end of the phone is not come in right now, let's figure it out, sometimes people give up. They get disheartened. There's nobody here to help me. There, mm. there are people there to help you. And so we are here. The, the resource center is there to be the in-between that you can call and we will answer and we will say, well, get down here right now. Let's figure out what we can do. Let's fill out these papers. Let's make sure that you understand what numbers you're supposed to be putting where and we will walk it over to wherever we need to. That's why we wanted to be in downtown Marriott. That's where most of the actual headquarters of resources are located. Um, Cause the applications are long and redundant and arduous, especially when you are a person who has less than a high school education, which there are many people in our community that really, if we tested them are at like sixth grade to eighth grade levels. Yeah. Um, we just we want to be there to support and help you cut through all that red tape, get what you need, get stable, and move on with your life. Interesting. It is. Um, so I want to before we leave that topic, mm-hmm. I want to kind of paint the picture because we started out on the the opioid mm-hmm. crisis. What are some of, and you can list them all if you want, but what are the things that will be available to people if if you got folks listening to this podcast and they either themselves or loved ones or friends and neighbors, et cetera, that, you know, hey, do you know you can go over here and do this? Because mm-hmm. sometimes, I mean, especially in business, a warm referral mm-hmm. is a heck of a lot better than like you're talking about calling up somebody cold and saying, yep. you know, I just don't know. It's much easier to say, hey, my neighbor told me about mm-hmm. this or my brother told me about this or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what are the list of things that a person could, you know, uh, take advantage of or, you know, come into contact with over at the resource center? So to start out with, because all of the people that are going to be working at the resource center, they're all going to be volunteers. Nobody's going to be paid. Um, So I have to put together a training to make sure that people understand the resources that we're talking about. And we want to train people to not just know that, hey, this exists. We want people to be able to provide a warm handoff to whatever the resource is. Mm -hmm. So to do that effectively, when we open up, we're going to be focusing on four areas of functioning. First is treatment, mental health, substance abuse, behavioral health of any type, treatment resources. Next is food instability, so food pantries, um, food stamps, helping you apply for SNAP benefits, helping you understand that. That's something else that we're going to be there for. Employment, um, we're creating partnerships with our, our local staffing agencies, Mancan, Move, Surge, Lynx, um, and then um, Josh Wagner out at Walmart. He and I have been in a lot of meetings, and he's, he's, he needs employees. So we're going to partner with a few places, hopefully get people to work. Um, and the last one is housing. Um, housing is, is I would say our area's, um, greatest vulnerability when we mm-hmm. talk about holistic stability and holistic well-being. Um, rent prices are insane. Absolutely mm-hmm. insane. Yep. Um, people who qualify for Medicaid only pretty much can live in, um, income-based housing and income-based housing is great and wonderful as a resource to something else i just people have to find purpose in life social supports are there for when you can't do for yourself my goal 
And I think the goal of the resource center is let's help stabilize you such that you have the brain space available, the actual brain functioning available to transition from thinking about how to handle one crisis after another, after another, after another to like, okay, now I have time and I have space and I am safe. What do I want to do with my time every day? Mm -hmm. Do I want to go volunteer over at the gospel mission? Do I want to go back to school at Washington state? Do I want to like things that feed people's souls instead of just get them through to the next day? Yeah. We, we talk a lot about housing mm-hmm. uh, on this mm-hmm. podcast, yep. and we have been saying for several, several episodes that um, you know some sort of larger housing project mm-hmm. would be super fruitful, um, not only in the revitalization from an economic development standpoint here, but also in um, the human aspect. Yeah, and I I will give the community credit. The community is trying. Um, the opioid hub has several subcommittees. There was only three to start with, and then because I am who I am, within, I think, a month of taking the current position that I have at the agency that I've had for two and a half years, I was on all three committees because I have no chill. And um, (laughs) at the end of being to, like, one of each of those subcommittee meetings, I was like, we need a housing subcommittee, y'all. Every one of us is sitting around talking about how to solve a housing problem. We need a separate subcommittee about housing. Because none of the other stuff that we're talking about is possible if people don't have a safe, comfortable space to mm-hmm. lay their head at night and get some rest. The brain doesn't function without rest. So they're trying. It's just it's hard. A, it's yeah. also the hardest issue, I think, to impact through local policy. You would know more about that than me. Yeah, it, it's, it's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, you know, local mm-hmm. municipalities have very little sway on... Yep private property owners and their altruism or lack thereof, you know, of, of, to your point of rental, you know, rental Mm -hmm. prices and things like that. So we've identified that, you know, that's one area where, um, those improvements are going to come through private parties and it's going to be hard to impact through public entities in a lot of cases. Yeah. Uh, Which I mean, to all the, the people who would advocate, right. For the private portion of that, uh, me being one of them, that's make sure you do it. Sure. Because you, you <laughs> sure. do not want the government stepping in and doing right. it. Okay. No. So, no. Um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I want to, I, I promise not a whole lot of science, but I love science. Okay. So, um, to kind of, you know, turn the page here on the next step, I'd like, Brett, if you could, like, just paint a, a general picture. It doesn't necessarily have to be about mental health, but. Sure. Just in what is our underservedness, so to speak, relative to maybe an adjacent county or a major metropolitan area you're here in Washington County to kind of paint a backdrop? For sure. So as Janice is saying, you know, we have areas of health care in general where we are underserved in mm-hmm. many ways. And our general state of medical underservedness is tremendous, and it has been for decades. It's been well identified. It's been well documented. It's it's no secret. Um, but I do have some kind of stats here that that kind of let you know the extent that we're working with. So let's first start in in Washington County. So mm-hmm. what I've got here, and these are easy to find. You can find these through um, the ACS on the census. Um, University of Wisconsin has some great resources out there as well. But basically. In Washington County, the ratio of patients to primary care providers, 13, almost 1,400 to one. Mm -hmm. So for every primary care provider, there's Mm -hmm. 1,400 patients. Mm -hmm. 
uh, for dental, so for a dentist, that ratio is 2,200 to 1. 2,200 clients or patients for one dental provider. And mental health, it's about 1,300 to 1. Which I can attest to. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that's... that's 100 to 1. Oh, it's right. absolutely insane. And it's... <sighs> It's this is a this is a difficult area to get well credentialed, well experienced professionals to decide to spend their life yes. and treat mm-hmm. patients in. Yeah. It's very difficult. Um, if you if you look at your salary and your benefits on paper and compare it to a salary and benefits that you're gonna get in a city like Columbus or Cincinnati, it looks as if you are being drastically underpaid or drastically undervalued in our area. However, our cost of living is much lower, but typically I think people associate a lower cost of living with a lower quality of living, yeah. which I don't mm-hmm. believe is true about our area, but it is a hard stigma to kind of get over. We're rural Appalachian, Ohio. It, it's hard to recruit people, yep. good people, into the area. Yep. So continuing on that, uh, Morgan County, which is just kind of northwest of Washington County, Ohio, where we are. Uh, their primary primary care to to patient ratio is uh, almost fifteen thousand to one. Mm-hmm. There's like two doctors. Well, that's what that Morgan tells County. me, right? So that tells yeah. me there is one primary care physician in Morgan County, and that's that's where the ratio is coming from. Wow. Yeah. Uh, their dental um, seventy four hundred to one, mm-hmm. and their mental health eighteen fifty to one. Mm-hmm. So comparatively, you've got Columbus primary care at one thousand to one, uh, dental twelve hundred to one. And mental health four fifty to one. Mm-hmm. So that's four fifty to one. Yes. Mm-hmm. So okay, that's so that's a the four hundred percent. If we were thirteen hundred to one, yep. In Washington County, I don't do math, so yep. I trust you guys. Whenever yeah. yeah. you come I mean, up, that sounds great. Yeah, four fifty and some change, or four hundred and some change. Yeah. Um, and I'm rounding those values for discussion. Yeah. So. so, of of the patients, Janice, and that's that's going to conclude our scientific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I, I think it would also be really good to have some anecdotal stories mm-hmm. um, and just kind of mm-hmm. things that you deal with on a daily basis because we do want this to be a discussion, but really just like the precursor to a bunch of discussions that other people are having about this topic so that we can kick any sort of stigma or whatever it is uh, that maybe you know, that comes attached to this mm-hmm. um, because y'all are in the business of helping people. Mm-hmm. and. If you can't get on board with that, then I don't know <laughs> True. what you're doing here. Yeah. True. Um, so of of the folks that you, you know, you have and that you you help, what percentage of them would you say are on, you know, in the Medicaid uh range, you know, which would certainly mean that they're looking for, you know, help in other areas like housing and, and all these things that would lead them to come to the resource center? <laughs> I can only answer that question from my other hat of clinical director of life and purpose behavioral health at Community Mental Health Agency here in Washington County. Um, We have, on average, 3,000 active clients every month, and about 70% of them are on Medicaid. And the the way that Medicaid is is approved, it's all about how much money you make. And I think the last time I checked, and it's been a minute since I've checked, but you, there's a certain percentage of the federal poverty line that you have to be at. There's a certain threshold. Um, and for one person to financially qualify for Medicaid, 
you have to make less than $15,000 a year to qualify for Medicaid. And I'm, I'm again, rounding because it's 14 and some change, I think, last time I checked. But Think um, about how little that is. So little. We're, 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 we're talking about, about slightly more than $1,000 a month. How with $1,000 a month are you supposed to pay rent, feed yourself, pay for car insurance, a car payment? Right. People, support, support children. People, yeah. have, people mm-hmm. have to cut corners. And, you know, there's, there's this game that you can play with, like, or elementary. Or give up. Yeah. Or give up. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I think there's still, in our area, quite a bit of stigma, not just about mental health, but also about people who rely on social service supports. Sure. Welfare is like a dirty word, but welfare wasn't meant to be a lifestyle. Disability wasn't meant to be a lifestyle. Um, but some people, like you were saying, they give up. There is so much generational learned helplessness yes. in our yep. area. Yeah. It is so frustrating to me because as, as a helping professional, again, this is kind of both hats. As a help, I look at people who are on their absolute worst day coming to talk to me about these situations that have led to the absolute catastrophe of their life. And I can see so much potential and I can see, I can see so much change and so much. They cannot see it because nobody yeah. ever taught them how. Yeah. No yeah. one ever taught you how mm-hmm. to ask for better. There's this statement um, from Father Martin. He has a lot of stuff on YouTube. He's passed a few years ago. Um, we use them a lot in addiction recovery treatment. Um, one line from one video, too often, good enough is an enemy of the best. And that is something that I just have a very difficult time tolerating. And another reason that I wanted the resource center to exist. If you can identify what your barriers are in your life, you shouldn't have to be a client of my agency to get access to a case manager to help you navigate all of this red tape, all of how everything interconnects, you shouldn't have to do that. If you can identify what your barriers are, there should be a path to a solution for you so that you can ask for the best for yourself instead of just getting to good enough and giving up. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of what I'm taking from this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, there's certainly a mental health aspect to this from a... um, a treatment standpoint. Yeah. There's also what I'm inferring is there's a mental health, you know, I can't never did anything, right? Mm-hmm. How do you break that? I wrote this down, generational learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. You know, if a child wakes up every morning and they see mom and dad or whatever, not going to work, playing around the house, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, feeling sorry for themselves or just always in a bad mood because they're mentally, mm-hmm. they're frustrated beyond belief with themselves. Mm-hmm. And looking around, staring, you know, at something they, they can't believe that they're in. Yeah. Feeling bad that they have to raise their children in it. You know, those sort of things. It does lead to that. that I mean, that was a great generational learned Helplessness. I do love that. Um, I, I did some quick math. I promise I won't do that again. But you said no more science. I know, Jared. but no. I'm just I'm a sucker for it. So you you said fifteen thousand dollars. We we did a podcast 
not too long ago on um, housing ability versus housing affordability. Mm -hmm. And the magic number that the federal government likes to throw out is 25% um, of your income. So that's roughly a rent of $300 a month Mm -hmm. that you could throw at that. I I mean, I follow the real (laughs) estate market really closely here (laughs) in Marietta and Washington County. I've yet to see anything below $800 a month for a, a one-bedroom, one-bath right. oh, here's apartment. A, here's a fun yeah. anecdote. Um, uh, Is it really fun? No, it's <laughs> not. Um, but you have, to, you have to laugh at the things that, because otherwise they'll make you cry. Um, Don Rao and I have worked together the entire time I've been at Life and Purpose. Um, she leads a lot of programs over at Community Action. And um, we did have wiggle room. At one point, until about 18, 20 months ago, um, the way that federal legislation was written allowed for some flexibility in the federally determined number for what a HUD voucher could include. Hmm. Well, that loophole got closed 18 to 24 months ago. So now when the federal government says your HUD voucher is good for this much money, that includes utilities too. So we have HUD vouchers for people mm-hmm. all the time. One of the hardest things when it comes to housing, we can get you a HUD voucher. Community action is like slapping them out. They are ready to go. They have money to give away and they want people to be housed. But you can't find a house that meets that federal criteria. And the federal criteria for a HUD voucher won't allow you, the individual who is the beneficiary of this voucher, to pay the difference so that you can move into your apartment. I've had a couple very Mm. positive interactions with landlords where the lease that they write is good for one month only, and it, it reflects the price of the HUD voucher so that the person can move in. And the understanding is that from that point forward, they will pay the difference, the client will pay the difference between the HUD voucher and the the rent that's being charged, but that's not okay by federal standards. And so when we talk about policy and red tape and what's in the way of people being well, vote policy legislation, mm-hmm. yep. we have, we have federal, federal legislation that takes our country and breaks it down as an average that takes absolutely no perspective of areas like ours that are very small in number, but things like housing are very expensive here. And it used to be affordable to live here until oil and gas came through. And we had companies willing and able to pay large amounts of money. Yeah. And, and we as had a, and property as a, owners uh, willing to take advantage and of here's them. The thing. Yes. Yeah. As, mm-hmm. as a person, sure. I do not blame them for that. If you mm-hmm. have an opportunity to make money, make your money, put it in the bank. Absolutely. Why would you not? Yeah, I've yeah. I've never I've never believed that the cost of living in rural communities is less ever. I've, mm-hmm. I've just never believed that. There was a time when the cost of housing in some communities was less, but the cost of utilities because of the cost it costs to the cost the cost the cost the cost mm-hmm. to establish, build, run those utilities, water, sewer. I mean, broadband. If you're lucky enough to have it, it costs exponentially more to build those utilities here. So the cost is not less. Mm -hmm. So I've just never believed that the cost of living has ever been lower. The house of pricing, (laughs) the price of housing, (laughs) scratch that, reverse it. The price of housing has been lower to Jared's point. It's Mm -hmm. not recently or now. 
but yeah. there was a time. But yeah, the, this misnomer that it's it's less expensive to live out here, and I'm air quoting. Mm-hmm. I've never I've never bought that. No, the data is not supported where we've you know kind of run into that. But what we and you know Janice, you've mentioned this, the quality of life mm-hmm. should be, and arguably is, higher. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we advocate on on our podcast is, you know, for people to, you know, we just we just had a podcast on asset based development, like reinvest in the things that you're really really good at. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's great to raise a family here, cool. Let's mm-hmm. like, how do we build things around that? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those things are, you know, looking out for the least of these. Like, how can we? All children deserve, you know, um, a fair shake. So. Even if, and we've talked about the policy aspect side of this, mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with what the parents' decisions has made, mm-hmm. that's that's fine. Right. Don't penalize yeah. the child. And yeah. every every child deserves well parents. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times when we talk about we talk about parent privilege on here a lot. You know, yeah. there's yeah. all the, the privileges thrown around a lot. What we've come to to know here mm-hmm. is parent privilege is so incredibly important depending on the situation that you're you're coming out of you know brett and i both come from impoverished backgrounds Mm -hmm. both had different parents had different uh kind of ideologies on you know which avenues they took to get out of that Mm -hmm. right but what we both got were parents that that sky's a limit Mm -hmm. regardless of the situation sky's a limit Mm -hmm. you know as long as you work for it as long as you you know sky is the limit and that that was that's how certainly how I was. I yep. feel like even today, it's like I, I'm so proud of that. Agreed. And I, mm-hmm. to, to the point that Janice is making, you know, I think one of the best things about our culture is that we have these programs to invest in each other and not let our, ourselves and our neighbors and our friends literally die on the street. Yep. That's yep. the beauty of America, if you will. That's the beauty of our culture. That's what we do. And when we shortchange that or when you start to weaponize that or downplay that, I, I really hate that. I mean, mm-hmm. we have all these things for, it's not for nothing, right. you know? Yeah. And so let people use them in the way that they're intended to be used. Mm-hmm. Yes. Somebody will take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. I don't yes. think that's a reason to take it away from everybody. Right. You know, yeah. so, and we have people in this room that are proof that those things work. And there's other, mm-hmm. I mean, and the flip side of it is, you know, there, if we talk about stigma, there. Yeah, I do want to get into that because I know it's some it's a battle. It's a it's a hurdle yeah. you guys have to overcome and yeah. even just for people to go get help. Stigma, yeah. social supports, the participation in social supports, the participation in counseling, all of this stuff has a stigma to it. And there seems to be an absence of stigma if we are talking about these systems and these services for people under the age of 18. For some mm. reason, it's okay for kids to need things, but the day you turn 18, you better have your stuff figured out. Mm-hmm. And my soapbox that I get on is, um, what if, if children are important, if they are important when they're children, where is the line of demarcation that a human life starts to lose value? Where is it? What decision is it? What age is it? Mm-hmm. What level of education? What what income level? Where where is it? We all know that when you buy a brand new car and drive it off the lot, mm-hmm. immediately it drops in value, mm-hmm. right? Explain to me what the human what the human equivalent is and why adults who are in terrible situations 
don't deserve the same compassion and the same attention that their children deserve. Explain to me how that makes sense. Because it doesn't make sense to me, mm-hmm. but also I have had the privilege of being very involved in helping adults completely change the way that they live. Yeah. We don't view, I feel like we don't view the brain like at that point, like as a, a functional thing. It's that, to me, if, if I had to answer that, would be like we, we treat our foot, our heart, our lungs, or everything else kind of. We, we try to eat well, we try to run, we try to do all this kind of stuff to stay quote-unquote healthy, mm-hmm. but the moment we realize that there might be a problem, like deep deep down in our skull, it's just like, nah, can't be. Mm-hmm. Just It's like so obtainable that it's just, we, we hide it. Yeah, and there's, most of my clinical time has been spent working um, with drug addicts and alcoholics. Um, I started the county's first intensive outpatient program for substance use in May of 2015. So we're coming up on six years. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, but luckily I had a really good partner in Mike Kuklika. Um, and he kind of helped guide me through setting that up. And I, I think still culturally we have, we have this idea that like we, we look at people as they currently exist and as they currently function and have the misinterpretation that they chose that life. Right. Mm-hmm. That you you made decisions to end up where you are. Yes, absolutely. Decisions that I made have put me where I am. But did I make decisions so that I could end up here? Like, this is what I wanted? People don't want that. Mm-hmm. Like, right. when we're talking about, like, the idea of, like, um, children growing up in chaotic households with parents who don't work and have their mental health issues that really prevent them from having good, solid attachment and connection to their children. Nobody has a child wanting that. I am not a parent. You are. Right. And I believe you are mm-hmm. too. You have a kid to be like, oh, I, I purposefully would like to make decisions and have things happen to me so that I can be emotionally disconnected from this child. Yeah. No. Do you wake up at any point and, and you're like, do you know what sounds super tight? Let me become intravenously addicted to heroin that sounds fun sounds like a good time 10 out of 10 no nobody wants that we're talking about diseases of the brain because whether people in the community want to admit it or not the american medical association the american psychological association every major every every major organization that has anything to do with how you treat the body identifies addiction as a primary biological disease, meaning it did not come from anywhere else. It exists on its own, and it has a biological cause, not a moral cause. It's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you had bad parents. It's because you got a bad brain. One in the Surgeon General wrote a, uh, wrote a report in, uh, I think it was 2016, um, all about addiction in America. I'm a nerd. Read the whole thing. Um, best line of the whole thing is one in seven people who abuse substances become addicts. Notice that that does not say one in seven people who use substances. It says one in seven people who misuse substances. And what absolutely blows people's minds is that you can recreationally use meth. You can recreationally use cocaine. You can recreationally binge drink. We've all been to college. Do you know what I mean? Like one in seven brains can't tolerate that because Type 1 diabetes is the best parallel that we have. With type 1 diabetes, the problem is not sugar and carbs. The problem is that your body digests those 
those chemicals because at the end of the day, everything's a chemical. Your body digests the chemicals present in those particular substances as poison. And your body doesn't have a natural way hmm. to fight back against that poison because you are not producing insulin. Same thing. Same thing with addiction. The problem is not alcohol. The problem is not benzodiazepines. The problem is not meth. The problem is not heroin. The problem is that your body is not capable of breaking down those substances in a way that won't kill you eventually. It's the same thing, but, you know, we'll, I'll, we'll make you a casserole and come to your house if you smoke for 40 years and get lung cancer. But we culturally don't reach out to people or follow up with people when we hear that they've just gotten back from rehab or that they started going to AA or that they started going to counseling because they think that they, they have a mood disorder. We don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because somehow it's different how how riddle me how your your brain regulates and is in charge of everything that comes underneath it we've given a pass to treating everything underneath the brain but we've somehow stigmatized putting in some maintenance on the organ that that takes care of all of the rest of it just doesn't make any sense be like not <laughs> it would be like not taking your car in for an oil change and being like, oh, don't check the computer system. That's not important. Yeah, I, lights are flashing all over the place. And yeah, it kind of makes this weird sound when it starts up. But don't look at the computer system. It doesn't make any sense. Sure. Yeah. It's a very logical. I like mm -hmm. the way you, you laid that out. Um, because I think a lot, of, a lot of the folks that listen to our podcast are in or want to be in some sort of um, policy making or policy advocating position mm -hmm. um i'd like to get you know brett and sam's uh kind of takes on this uh specifically how it relates to you know our hometown and then um if we can if we got time if you would and we're willing you know to share some some stories um because i think you know we kind of talked off mic beforehand mm -hmm. connecting the dots on um on things like that with, with people that, you know, you drive by and you might not think twice about mm -hmm. that they're going through something and not only did they go through it, but they, you know, they beat it, they achieved it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, um, why it's important to, to support folks like yourself. Mm -hmm. Sam, you got, Oh man, I have a story, I guess, or anecdote for myself just to, to share. Um, it's, Listening into that was just kind of an awe because referencing the like parent privilege, like that kind of stuff, I think about it as it reflects to me and my own experience. So I'm going to sound very arrogant uh, in this. Oh boy. Uh, my wife tells me it, it sounds arrogant, but it, I, I feel like I just know who I am. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've had a, I had a very public job mm -hmm. and I left that job mm -hmm. because I realized that I just couldn't handle it anymore. Mm hmm. And I think I never understood why I was able to just pick that out for myself. Mm -hmm. I think part of it's probably that it was a, a very clear barrier that I was lucky to have to realize, like, I need, I need help. I need to step away. Like, I'm just, I'm not happy. Right. And I'm thankful for that. I understand. And that's where it sounds kind of arrogant. I, I realized that I've, I was given that kind of, I was 
I have lucky in that regard that uh, I had that so I had that support, but I also was able to have the mindset to isn't realize it, like isn't it terrible that we assign a negative moral value to knowing and understanding who you are and then asking for what you need based on your current understanding of who you are and what you need? Like, isn't that just terrible? Yeah. Can we just stop that? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you need mm-hmm. to be punished mm-hmm. or feel badly. Yeah. Because you knew enough to step back. Yeah. You didn't feel the need to continue to punish yourself. Yeah. And I didn't think I was doing myself any, any favors Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, it's easier to to like step aside from that and just kind of blame it on like other things. Like, you know, I'm just, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I left 100% really for me. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. I mean, it's all worked out amazing. I'm able to see, I'm able to see, (laughs) (laughs) I'm able to see that. Yeah. Uh, but that perspective gave you me. better have the same story i left a public job for me too <laughs> yeah so. only for him yeah but it's it's uh and it, it was it was for my wife too mm-hmm. i mean there's other people in there that i was seeing that was clearly um right, because you know, you know, you know affecting mm-hmm. uh, and if if look if, if sam's not right you know and you're in a household with another human being mm-hmm. and you're not right guess what they're not going to be right because they love and care about you too yeah right. yeah yeah so just listening to all that too, I guess just always know that you never know really who who is struggling or who has a hard time. So it's it, it has opened my eyes, and I'm a big advocate for to 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 seek help. I still do. It's it's almost refreshing in a way mm-hmm. um, to just kind of like my head. I, I have a million miles of like just things all the time. Mm-hmm. So to just be able to talk that out is just kind of reassuring that I'm not like going. I'm not. not like losing myself, like in my mind. I was so, gonna say, I was gonna say crazy. So here's but, the thing about crazy. Clients uh, ask me all the time. They'll come in and they're like, word vomit their whole life story at me, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, you probably think I'm crazy." And I'm like, yeah. "Here's the thing, honey. We're all just different flavors of crazy. Yeah, we're all just a big bag <laughs> of dum dums, and everybody's got a different flavor. Some of us are mystery flavored, but we all got a little. We all got a little. <laughs> we all got a little toe in the crazy pond. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> Now, what, how crazy are you, Brett? Cra- really, cra- if you know me, you're really crazy. Um, so when I, Janice, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yeah. that's really powerful. When I, when I think about it, I think about the public programming and the public asset approach to it. And I think what's happened is, to what Janice is saying, we've given up on trying to solve those things because they're hard. Yeah. And it's just easier to say, you know what, Jared, you figure it out. The problem's with you. Mm-hmm. And then we sweep it under the rug because we don't want to dig in mm-hmm. with our resources, with our time, whatever. And there's just, and I don't know what this is, and I'm a political scientist by trade. I don't, I've got an MPA, and I don't know the answer to this, but like, it's almost like we've given up going to that deep level, especially with, with things that are public. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so whoever the first person was that went through one of these situations and resolved it, whether it was through, by help or not, they said, I did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did it, and you can do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, fig- I figured it out. Jared, mm-hmm. you can figure it out. And then that, that yeah. just became infectious. You talk about a pandemic. Mm-hmm. We've had a pandemic of that, and there's, yeah. there's a great example of this, and it's not exactly related to health or mental health, but um, I, I recommend this book all the time, and I'm, people that know me that are listening that know it's coming, but That Used to Be Us mm-hmm. by Thomas Friedman. Same story. It's like the story of like how we got to where we are, and we forgot about what public education has done for us, mm-hmm. what, what social programming has done for us and our ancestors and our parents and our grandparents and all those things. We feel like we, you know, Jared and I, you know, we have houses. You know what? We went out in the field and we cut the trees down. Mm-hmm. We built those houses. We did not. We 100%, maybe Jared did. I certainly did not. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but, the point, the, but the point I'm making yeah. is 
there are resources out there. At some point, they were utilized, and we just forgot about it. Yeah. Or we just don't want to get into it. And so it's easier to just do that. So I'm sad that we got there. Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel like it's easy to do that in terms of our audience being people who are involved in the city or city officials or people who have to deal with the public. You know, I mean, just just think of the one time you say something wrong mm-hmm. or you discourage somebody. I mean, just think of how impactful it is that now their involvement is like, oh, they don't need me. They don't care about me. You know, even if it's just something very minute of just your complaint about something going on on your street. Or, I mean, we see this in terms of uh, maybe in more uh, higher crime areas, like, oh, the cops, they don't, they don't come here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what resource, what outreaching are they doing in terms of just kind of making that presence known and taking the active role to say, you know, we are here. Like, you're a unique situation compared to some, maybe some other areas, but, you know, we don't want you to feel like we're not uh, as important or you're not as important for this facility. So I think of, like, public meetings, planning, all this yeah. kind of stuff that involves really the citizens in terms of just anything. Because at the end of the day, people feel like they're tight in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can talk about things, that they can feel open, they can share. And, I mean, the, I guess the chances are so much higher that you could really make someone feel less or make them feel discouraged about mm-hmm. getting help and that goes across the board yeah. well, to I so mean, many different things i think we're in the middle of like uh hashtag cancel dr sue still on twitter mm-hmm. um but that aside there's like the the one cartoon where it says like nothing's going to change unless someone like you cares a whole whole lot mm-hmm. that is exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. and what you were talking about brett like i've been in so many meetings so many meetings where everybody agrees on the problem. And then when we go to brainstorm solutions, oh, well, we try that and it didn't work. Well, we try right. to, <laughs> good luck. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings and I am the only woman in this room and I'm typically the only woman in those rooms and I'm young and I'm white and I am privileged. And there's like, oh, well, good luck with that. You can try it. I'm like, watch me. Sure. Watch me. I don't care if it kills me to get it done. I refuse to sit back and let people suffer because it's going to be hard work for me to figure out. Right. That's yeah. just completely mm-hmm. unacceptable to me. But again, like I said earlier, I have zero chill. So I have no problem <laughs> like pulling up my sleeve and handling something like that. But again, when we go back to the idea of like generational learned helplessness and kind of connecting it with what mm-hmm. Sam was talking about right now in the middle of, well, I'm going to say the middle because I don't know that it ever ends, the COVID pandemic. The, the things that people need to start caring a lot about have never been more accessible. You can mm-hmm. attend a board of education meeting on sure. a Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can sign into a Facebook Live and watch your city council meetings. You yep. can sign in mm-hmm. and watch. You, we now have increased access to the places where decisions are being made and people are deciding how we are spending our money and who we are going to help and what is worth it and what is not. Now is probably the easiest time mm-hmm. for people to figure out what their voice is yeah. and to get a little bit better of that understanding that you got at your last job, Sam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I really liked what you articulated there. And I, I want to, from the private side of like uh, entrepreneurship, um, leadership, that sort of thing, what, what you're driving at and what I think policymakers want to see and it's the reason they're in the business of making policy and not in the business of business Mm -hmm. is because what policymakers like to see and brett and sam you guys can jump in um 
But what they like to see are things that scale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your idea is great, Janice, but it doesn't scale. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're creating a system in which it takes a lot of people or a lot of uh, labor force or overhead or whatever the case may be, you know, fiscal, you mm-hmm. know, support. You're creating a system that isn't scalable. What every person in the entrepreneurial world will tell you is that when you're getting started, do things that don't scale. Mm-hmm. In order to have proof of concept, in order to say, look, this can work. Mm-hmm. These people can, you know, their lives can be enriched to the point where they become not just productive members of society, but they become, you know, people that are, are maybe possibly their children even leading the next generation of leaders in our communities. Mm-hmm. So it is important to start out doing things that don't scale. Mm-hmm. You also got to know your limits, yep. right? Once you hit a, a certain point, okay, that didn't work. So, and then you get into the, the game of pivoting, yeah. right? And ultimately what you, you do is you run through this iterative process where you, you finally, then that's where policy needs enacted, right? But it takes folks like yourself at Life and Purpose to be the ones to say, to stand up like you're talking about and you know, because some of somebody like you cared a whole whole lot, you know this this change mm-hmm. occurred. Um, anything else we want to? I I definitely want to like bring it all the way back around to the resource center because you guys are opening up what in April? Yeah, April first is the goal. We were all ready to go last summer, and then what another, happened? Another oh another yeah, COVID, stay, That's right. Another yeah. another stay at home order came through. Daddy Dewine put us in timeout. Yeah. Um, so oh, daddy. daddy said we're almost out. He he said, he gave us a goal. He said, children, children, just get to here. And once we measure that, you can go back to playing outside. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, Dad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Brett Brett has no look on his face. (laughs) Well, and I have great respect for what Janice was doing. I mean, I feel like you and I have been talking about this for like longer than two years. So I'm so happy for you. I think it's awesome. And I'm excited to see it. And I, I hope that there's things we can do to support it. I hope everybody will support it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so far the community, I will say has been really great. Anybody, anybody who slows down enough to take the time to ask the question about who are we, what are we doing? What's our, what's our vibe? When I explain it, when members of our board explain it, um, they're like, Oh my gosh, that is one of, why has nobody thought of this before? Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's just such an obvious solution to a lot of problems. And a lot of times the easiest solution is the one that you can't see. And for all of the, I think it's easy at a certain point in business to, and policy and politicking, because I was, it's a politician's job to get elected. And then when they switch over from their elected, now they're legislators, then it's a legislator's job to write law. They're vacillating between two different actual job descriptions, which again, no, do what you got to do to get done what you need to get done. But I think we are currently in a place culturally and as a society at large where we are trying to measure external things. And we forget that the only way that we can measure external profit within a company, external um, growth within an area, if you don't have human capital to push business, to drive ideas, to improve your community, if you don't have well-functioning, healthy individuals in your community, you've put a glass ceiling 
on your ability to be successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if there is any takeaway from that, like there, there is no such person who is beyond help. I know many people, most, I can't name really any of their names because HIPAA is a thing and HIPAA cares a whole, whole lot Facts. about me mm-hmm. and my money. So I won't be <laughs> dropping any client Facts. names, but Abby Roach, now Abby Kraft, who I hired two and a half years ago. I hired her because she was a felon. I hired her because she had been to prison. I hired her because she had five mug shots. I hired her because all of those things existed and she found a path back out and she found a purpose in helping people. And hope is what people need. If people don't believe that there is a chance that something could get better, you don't have to believe that it will get better. People just have to start believing that it could get better. Mm-hmm. Could is like the, the planted seed of hope. And then once hope comes together into action, then we get mm-hmm. change. And then we start going from it could happen to it will happen. And I, people just really, 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 I think, undervalue the part that every single individual plays in the mosaic of what's happening around us. And the only way to improve your community is not to round up the addicts and ship them down to Parkersburg or something. It's to take people and treat them humanely the way that you would want to be treated if you had fallen down, the way that you would want your wife, your child, your parent to be treated if they had fallen down and needed a hand back up. There is, we can't continue to think in us versus them term. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. we. Yeah, we, we, we say that a lot on the podcast. When you raise the bottom, the top rises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well, we're also going to have um, a bunch of links in our show notes. Brett's going to hook it up with the show notes this week, um, and he's going to work with Janice to get, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you you yourself, a friend, a loved one, a neighbor, um, whoever it is, coworker, mm-hmm. I don't care. If you know somebody yeah. that could possibly utilize anything that came out of this podcast, check out these show notes, forward it to them, print it off to them. I don't care. Read it to them. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, get them the information they need so that they can go meet up with folks like Janice. So um, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, appreciate you. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, awesome yeah. stuff. It was a pleasure. Mm. I love any any opportunity that lets me just talk about things that I care about. <laughs> so, so thanks for creating that environment today. Well, that's what we do here, too. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. But um, all right. Uh, if you have any thoughts about what we said here feel free to hit us up support at mytownhustle.com um if you think if you know anybody that could uh, be interested in listening to this feel free to share it shoot us five-star review uh if you've got a one-star review you can keep that to yourself (laughs) Uh, mind your business that's right but we'll see everybody next time thank you for listening to my town hustle we would greatly appreciate it if you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it but most importantly subscribe and leave us a rating and review on itunes spotify or whichever platform you consume your podcasts it would mean the world to us until next time folks thanks for listening we used to-